There was joy in the room. There was true, pure joy and laughter and honesty. And I hadn't heard honesty in so long. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Well, hello, you beautiful spirits out there in the four corners of the world, wherever you may be listening to this episode. I am so thankful you are here listening to another episode of Sober Speak, I know you have so, so many more things to do with your time, and I appreciate you investing it in our little fledgling podcast here. And so anyway, that, ladies and gentlemen, was the voice of Miss Maria R. that you heard at the beginning of this episode today. You're going to hear so much more from her in just a moment, but first things first, this episode, this one right here right now at this moment is brought to you by April and Margaret. April and Margaret went to our website, soberspeak.com. You know what they did? They clicked on the donate tab and they made a contribution. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, April and Margaret, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. All right. So you're going to be listening to Maria R. today. Like I said, she's going to talk about being a a closet drinker, which I'm sure that many of you will be able to relate to. Uh, And one of my favorite parts is where she talked about how she drank out of uh, sippy cups that literally had mommy's timeout and mommy's brew written on the cups. (laughs) Um, Maria has been to 26, count them, 26 Jimmy Buffett concerts, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Also, she has a special connection to the a song by Brandy Carlisle called That Wasn't Me. And we also end up talking about Maria with her faith uh, at length. And uh, I just know you're going to enjoy the entire episode. So I was trying to think about what to do this week. Uh, and, you know, I realized that I had been sharing so, so much listener feedback uh, throughout all the previous episodes, but I really wasn't sharing much from within our secret Facebook group. And as a reminder, if you want to join that Facebook group, just uh, 
send me your email address associated to your Facebook account at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. But uh, I wanted to read some from samplings from this Facebook community that has been formed here and is just uh, absolutely delighting my heart. And uh, there's, there's so much activity in there. There's no way I can get to all of this, but I just wanted to, to read a few things that are in the uh, Facebook group. And just from today, as I am getting, as I am recording this, Mr. Peter went into the uh, Facebook group this morning and he posted, he said, good morning. It's Monday. It's raining and I'm in a funk. I don't want to be at work. I have earbuds in and I'm listening to the podcast number two, Alex story. That That's, uh, uh, the number two episode within Sober Speak is what he's talking about. And he says, hopefully the mood will change. Peace and sobriety, my friends. And he had many, many people uh, respond to his comment. Uh, I'm just picking out a couple of them here, but Jim S. recommended another episode, Brenda J., that he could listen to, uh, Margaret, April, Barbara, Dave, Sarah, they all provided some uplifting comments for Peter. And that's exactly what I was hoping would happen with this Facebook community. And what it would turn into is that uh, that you all would be out there uh, supporting one another. And, uh, you know, I know and I don't expect this Facebook group or this podcast can to to be a substitute for an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. But, you know, as well as we can do online, we'll get as close as possible. Um, we've had many people post Interesting uh, post uh, within the Facebook group, Sarah and the other Sarah, both the Sarahs, Carol and Dave have posted some some great reminders and meditation for people all in recovery. Um, we are welcoming new members into the community. And uh, when we were doing that last week, Carol and Lolinda wrote in and said they were members of the Twisted Sisters group in Washington. And I just absolutely love that name, Twisted Sister Group. But uh, uh, Toby posted inside the group, and he said that he is 24 hours sober and looking for some support from the group. And I thought, oh my goodness, 24 hours, what a delicate time. I'm just glad that he was vulnerable enough to post within our group. Um, Dave posted a song by Joe Walsh in there. Um, I'll let you see it when you're in there, if you're not in there already. And uh, um, let me see what else happened. Uh, Tina was in the group and she had some questions regarding the amends process and an experience in that arena. And uh, Barbara posted in response to that, she said, it took me a while to pay off a surgeon who saved my life. It was only a small amount that I owed him that the insurance didn't pay. Soon after, I came face to face with that surgeon at a funeral, and I could hold my head up. I don't know if he knew anything about it because of his office accountants and such, but I knew in big capital letters and two exclamation points. And 
you know, that I, I just love to hear stories like that. And then I, yours truly, posted in uh, this uh, Sober Speak group um, at at one point, uh, oh gosh, probably a couple of months ago or so now. And I posted, I fell in love with Alcoholics Anonymous because dot, 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 and then let people fill in the blanks. And I'm telling you, the responses just came flowing in. Cassandra posted, and I, I can't read everything that was posted. I just picked out a, a few of them here to kind of go over. But Cassandra posted, she said, I love alcohol. I fell in love with Alcoholics Anonymous because, quote, it saved my dad's life. Now, folks, that's the perspective of an Al-Anon within the group. Megan P. wrote in, she said, it taught me how to handle life, literally. It enabled me to take a deep breath again, also literally. I was having panic attacks before AA, and it gave me my best friends. I could go on and on. Jackie posted, she said, AA, love me when I couldn't love myself, I'll never forget the first time I heard, I love you, and I burst into tears. How beautiful. Dave posted, and he said, right from the start, it just felt like home. It resonated truth. It made God feel real for me. It saved my life. And so I just, I love to hear and see those responses like that. Jonathan actually posted a picture of his moment of serenity on the golf course out in one of the Carolinas, if I'm not mistaken, but he was running around the golf course one morning uh, and he said, this is serenity for me. He posted that in the group and we're able to celebrate birthdays. I've seen people celebrating 40 year birthdays in there, one year birthdays in there, five year birthdays in there, uh, nine month birthdays in there. And, and I just, I just love it, right? You see people in sobriety and getting some time under their belt. So anyway, that's it. I know you're going to enjoy this episode with Miss Maria, and uh, we'll have some more listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy Maria. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Miss Maria. Can you say hello, Maria? Introduce yourself and give your sobriety date if you wish to do such, please. Hi, everybody. I'm Maria and I'm an alcoholic and my sobriety date is January 18th, 2014. So Maria, what's a nice girl like you doing on a podcast like this? <laughs> in other words, <laughs> how did a lovely young woman like you make it into Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> By the grace of God. There you go. That's Good the answer. answer that my sponsor would want me to say. There you so, go. Um, and I believe it. I believe it. I, if you would have told me five, six years ago that going through the nightmare that brought me here would have saved my life. I would never have believed it. But this program has just given me back to me. I'm so grateful. God bless you. Okay, so let's talk a little then about that nightmare that brought you into the program. Can you type me through some of the, the days or years up to coming into Alcoholics Anonymous? Just whatever you want to share about that period of time? Well, First of all, I, I kind of came to the game late because I was in my 40s 
when I really started drinking alcoholically. So had you drank before that? Yeah, I was a social drinker. Um, and there were definitely times where I I went overboard, but you know, those were far and few between and um, it kind of snuck up on me. Really? It. I was in my forties and you know, I really kind of blame the wine industry. I, I look at how they have glamorized and romanticized the, um, you know, all of us soccer mommies with sippy cups full of wine glasses watching our kids play. Um, and, and it took me by surprise. I thought that that's what I was supposed to be. So while I was making dinner, I'd be, I'd have a glass of wine and it, it eventually just got more and more often, um, where I didn't, I didn't even realize what was happening to me. And, um, at the same time, you know, life was happening. My kids were getting older. I have three beautiful kids who I adore. And my dad was very sick. And, um, you know, I just had life stuff happening. And I thought, wow, that one glass of wine while making dinner and then during dinner and then maybe even a glass after dinner it was kind of making me a little bit um, calm and low key. And I even fooled myself into thinking that alcohol made me a better mommy. Because if I'm calm, then I'm able to withstand the life that was happening around me. And eventually it just, it took over. Wow. Okay. So was there a particular event where that started happening? It sounds like there probably wasn't. It was just a combination of things. And all of a sudden, like you said, it just snuck up on you and you started drinking heavier than you had before. Yeah, it, it kind of, it just, it really did just sneak up. Um, all my friends were drinking, you know, and we were all laughing about the, um, you know, the sippy cups, like I was saying, the literal sippy cups that say mommy's time out on them or the, the bottles of wine that are, you know, called mommy's brew or whatever it was. I thought it was cute. And I thought I looked grown up and adult and like all the other mommies out there with my glass of wine. And, um, you know, some people can do that. Some people can have one or two glasses of wine, and I used to be able to until I I just used alcohol as a way to escape. So you mentioned your dad passing mm-hmm. during that, or, or there was something well, going on with been, your dad, he, or he was sick, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was sick. He, he, he was sick for about three years. Um, he passed a year almost to the day of my my me finding sobriety. So at his funeral, I was a year sober, which I'm so, so grateful for that. I could, I I attended that funeral and I was there for my family. I was there for him in his final days. I loved on him and he knew that I was going to be okay. Is your mom still alive? She is still alive. Great. And you know, the one thing I just thought of was I remember at, at some point when, after my dad's funeral, me and my family, there's, there's, I have four siblings. We all went out to dinner and I s- just kind of snuck it in there. And I said, by the way, you guys, 
I just want you to know that today's my one year birthday. And my mom said, I am so grateful to have my Maria back. Oh, so did they realize that there was an issue with your drinking? Oh, they sure did. Okay. So they knew. And <laughs> and how long had they known that? Did did they see it sneaking up on you as well? Yes. Okay. Yes, for sure. Um, my All of my family and all of my husband's family are all in Michigan, and we're the only ones here. Um, during the summers, we would go up to Michigan and spend time at a lake house that we had. And while I was there by myself with my three kids, my husband would stay here and kind of just come come in and out during the summer. Um, but we love Michigan. We love the idea of our kids running around on a warm summer day and catching butterflies and fishing and everything. And it was wonderful. But the problem was that on weekends, it was really fun, and there would be lots of fun people everywhere and lots of alcohol everywhere. And it was always five o'clock somewhere. So <laughs> I started drinking like everybody else. Eventually, though, Monday would come, and pretty much everybody else on the lake would go home, and I would continue drinking because that's what my body had grown accustomed to. That's what, that's what I knew. And again, it was making me a better mom. So why not? Mm -hmm. And then, um, I remember at one point, I'm not still exactly sure how this happened, but suddenly my husband, who I thought was in Dallas showed up at my bedside because I was trying to fool everybody that I had the flu. I had some mysterious, horrible, awful thing that was going on in me that that I needed to be in bed all the time with bottles hidden around the house and stuff. And he suddenly was there. And I knew, wow, this is bad. Wow. So was that the final straw, so to speak? I mean, was no. That, okay. <laughs> but you knew, but but everybody had a clue at that point. Everybody was, was on to me. And I really thought that I was getting away with it. I, I didn't think that my drinking was as out of control as it apparently really was. Do any of your siblings or any of your family members uh, deal with alcohol no. or drug addiction? No. No. You got I the lucky straw. wolf. And, <laughs> you know, my, my mom says that maybe there was some some problems in in the past with some of my distant you know relatives older uncles or whatever but really um no it's just me so we have a common friend we were talking about just before we started this podcast and that's mm -hmm. Mr. Ronnie right mm -hmm. and the reason hi, Rod. I, yeah hi Ron <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I mentioned him is because you had said that you were very fortunate when you fell into AA so to speak that you were able to kind of stand on the shoulders of some you know giants if you will in the program I know you met Ron you met some other people talk to me about what you were saying here before we got started Oh my gosh, I was so lucky to have met these these like icons of my home group almost. Um and Ron always says to this day very simple things. Maria, easy does it. Easy does it, Maria. You know, where's God in this? 
And um, when I first came into the program, I saw all the little signs all over the wall and I thought, oh, it is what it is and takes what it takes. And yeah, that's real cute, but it didn't mean anything to me until I started having that repetition of, of people like Ron reminding me and making it real to me instead of just a sign on the wall. What do you mean by making it real? I mean, easy does it, for instance. I mean, God doesn't want us to be full of fear and worry. God wants us to God wants us to, to be happy, joyous, and free. That's that's a gift that this program gives us, and that's what he wants for us. So I guess that that's that's what I mean. It's just making it real, putting it into my life every every part of my day. So you talked about your uh, sponsor as well. Uh, we were chatting a little bit about her before we got started and how much you respect her and how much she's helped you uh, as Miss Susan. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about Susan a little bit and your relationship with her and when y'all got together during the program and talk about Susan a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Um, last time on my, on my birthday, when I got my chip, I made the comment that if I had to go through everything that I did just to meet my sponsor, <laughs> I would, I would have, I would do it all over again. Um, I, I look up to her so much. I, she is just a living example of this program and every aspect of her life. You know, she teaches me constantly you know, God isn't doing this to you. He's doing this for you. And he, she tells me, you know, Maria, look for the gift. What's the gift in this? You know what? She's just so wise. She's just really the wisest person I, I think I've ever known. So I know also before you came over here, you had mentioned that one of the first Sober Speak uh, episodes that you listened to was the one with Michelle uh, talking about a parrot head, yeah. Uh, because you uh, apparently are a parrot head, and for those I who, am. For, so for those who don't know what a parrot head is, why don't you go ahead and tell them? Well, a parrot head is basically a Jimmy Buffett fanatic, <laughs> which I am. Um, I've been to twenty six of his concerts, which sounds like a lot if if you haven't heard that before. But to real parrot heads out there, they think I'm just a baby. <laughs> Do you go? They I know he plays up here in Frisco every year. Have you been to any of those? Oh yet? yeah, okay. Yeah, I've been to lots, lots of those. Um, you know, I I love Jimmy Buffett's music. Um, and the concerts are just so much fun, and it's so it's it's just a party. It's just a great place to see people being happy, and there is a lot of drinking involved. Um, I didn't really trying to think. I I don't know that I ever really allowed myself to get so out of control at a Jimmy Buffett concert. I was more of a closet drinker. Mm-hmm. I probably should have said that before. Um, yeah, I was, I was a closet drinker, so I would behave myself in public situations like a concert or a party or an event and just be white knuckling it until I, until I got home and could find relief. 
And that's a big reason I wanted to have you on, because I know that there are a lot of what you call closet drinkers out there. Mm -hmm. And I know that there, it even talks about this in the 12 and 12. It it points out that there are women, females, Mm -hmm. uh, who started late, but then gained up ground very quickly. Uh, There is that little subculture or whatever you want to call it within Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And I knew that people could relate to this story. Tell me a little bit about your your notepad that you brought in. I, I saw that you brought in a notepad. I go, oh, good. You have some notes with you. I'm, I'm glad because I want people to have organized thoughts, right, as we're going mm-hmm. through this, as organized as possible, even though it's going to be more of a conversation style. But you told me a quote. You, what did you say about your notes that you and your sponsor talk about? Well, when I was working the fourth step, Susan told me, Maria, if we don't write it down in black and white, we'll act it out in living color. You know, writing it down in black and white holds me accountable. Now it's real. Now I've just made this fourth step come to life. It's, It's kind of like the proof that whatever is in my fourth step, I am going to, I'm going to acknowledge it and own it. And then in the fifth step, I can find the relief from it, find out what my, where did that, where did that issue come from? What are my fears in that? Um, you know, but if I don't write it down and acknowledge it, then I'm still in denial. I want to read something here that you sent to me the other day that Ron had sent to you uh, that came out of the 24-hour day book, and I absolutely loved it. It said, "When when when you come into an AA meeting, you're not just coming into a meeting, you're coming into a new life. And uh, I thought that was uh, uh, a fabulous uh, quote, saying, uh, reading, if you will. So what is it meant to you then to come into this new life and not just coming into a meeting, but coming into, like we said, a, a, a new life, a new way of living? Well, just this morning, I was at a, at a women's meeting and this, this topic was, was similar. And I got this memory of years ago, I was in, the, in a grocery store and I heard this song overhead and I highly recommend it to you. Um, it's by Brandy Carlisle, and it's called That Wasn't Me. And I did some research on it a while ago, and sure enough, it is a song that she wrote, I think, about a friend in her addiction. And how when we're in our addiction, that's not the real us. That's not the us that God wants us to be. That's a different version. It's the sick version. It's the alcoholic version, but it's not the real. It wasn't the real me. So the the quote that when I, what was it again? Now <laughs> it was uh, when you come into an AA meeting, you're not just coming into a meeting. You're right. coming into a new life. Yeah, that I, I love that quote because I mean that's when every single time I walk into a meeting. I, I feel like I can breathe. Like I go into a meeting and the most honest, real version of myself comes out. And hopefully I'm able to take that outside and share that. Um, you know, and, and I, 
I can share that by sponsorship. I can share that by just talking to somebody. I can, you know, sharing my experience, strength, and hope. That is, that is where life begins right there. It is. And, and you're right. Uh, um, I believe, uh, well, it even talks about in the book that, you know, we're not just here to uh, stay within the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous only, right? We can mm-hmm. we can take uh, all these skills and all these uh, uh, very very spiritual le- lessons that we've learned over the years and take them out to to our families, to the people behind the cash registers, right. and to throughout the entire world. I'll I'll tell you a, a good story. I was in a women's meeting one time, and this woman that I didn't recognize walked in the door, and she you could tell. It was her very first meeting ever. She was terrified. She had that horrible look on her right. face. <laughs> and she sat down and it was her time to share because it was a really small, maybe eight women meeting. And so she, she was asked to share and she said, you know what? I almost didn't even come into this room, but somebody in the parking lot smiled at me oh. and that was enough to bring me in, you know, that right there, that is, that's, you know, somebody giving the gift of just a smile. It Surface work doesn't have to be always putting the coffee pot on, although that's great. Um, surface work is just being there for the newcomer, being there for somebody when they need you. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, I even kind of get out of my own head sometimes when I'm kind of processing something or trying to let something go. I'll, I'll sit there in a meeting and uh, actually uh, pray for other people uh, that are in that mm-hmm. room, not only in that room, but outside of that room. It just, it, it's for me, it just kind of helps me to get out of my own, my own head and out of my own skin, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we're going to be continuing here with Marie in just a moment. Uh, Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. There you'll find uh, about 70-plus other uh, episodes. You'll also find the Donate button on the website, which you can use if and only if the Spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. Okay, so back to Maria. Um, You had mentioned that you had been to treatment before you got to Alcoholics Anonymous. Am I right about that? Right. Okay. And how many times did you go to treatment? Well, I went twice. Um, what I know now is that the first time I went, it was it was just because m- my family kept telling me I was an alcoholic. I had not by any chance conceded to my innermost self that that was the case. And so I went for them. I went for 28 days. I played the game. I smiled pretty. I told them that what they wanted to hear, and they let me go home. And I remember driving away, my husband coming to pick me up and driving away down the expressway. And it suddenly seemed like every billboard, every happy hour sign was screaming at me with alcohol. It just, it was like right in my face. It it is what it felt like. 
Um, and so I didn't stay sober very long. I, I hadn't really dealt with the real issues that were, that were bringing me to the drink. So looking back on that now, that experience in treatment, because, you know, a lot of people go through this. Uh, when you say not dealing with it, do you think it's just you weren't ready? Or uh, how can you describe yeah, that? I, don't, I just don't think God was ready for me to be sober mm. at that time. I still think he had some lessons for me to learn. Um, by the time that I went the second time... Um, and, and this is my, my sobriety date. I'll, I will never forget it. On January 18th, 2014, I was standing in our, in our bedroom and I had, it was about 1130 in the morning and I had just had like half of one of those little mini bottles of wine. And so I wasn't drunk, but I still, I mean, not many people need to have the edge off at 1130 in the morning, <laughs> right. right? But I did. And, and my husband came in and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing? And I, I, I'm other, other than it being God, I'm not sure what else it could have been, but I, I found myself saying the three magic words, I need help. And at that moment, I just truly felt like this flush of of love or something, this flush of something just came over me and I knew that I was going to be okay. And I can't say that the obsession, that craving was gone immediately, but I knew that it was done. It was this, this game was over and I wasn't going to have to play anymore. Now, at that point, we said, okay, let's make a game plan. What are we going to do? Where am I going to go? Because I need to go to treatment. And I kept saying, I really want to go to Hazelden. That's where my sponsor went. I've heard great things about it. And I think my husband wanted me to kind of stick closer to home, at least in Texas. So were you, when you said that's where your sponsor went, so it sounds like from the time that you went to that first treatment center and when you came to Hazleton, you had been in and out of AA at that time. Is that what's going on here? When you said well, I was still going to some meetings. I, no. I was still <laughs> pretending really well that, um, you know, that, that I, golly, the truth is, I couldn't even be honest about my sobriety date. I would go into a meeting having just been drinking two hours before, yet I would give the wrong sobriety date. Okay, so you were in, so you're going to meetings during that time. How long was that period from the first treatment center to the second treatment center? Um, well, the first one was June of 2013. So until. Actually, February, what happened was that we did a bunch of research. My husband is very analytical. He likes to do research. So we did a bunch of research on different places. And eventually I got my way and um, Hazelden said, you know, we can get her in, but we can't get her in for another eight days. Is that up in Minnesota? That one? It is. Okay. It is. So I kind of white knuckled it. I mean, I feel like like people just sat on top of me to keep me sober during that eight days. Now, unfortunately, when I got there, I was there for about five days and I was loving it because I was so ready. I was so ready to let go of this burden of alcohol. I just wanted to be rid of it. 
And I was, instead of like the first treatment center where I just told them what they wanted to hear, I really was being truthful and honest for the first time. And what I found out now, um, our insurance cut us, cut me off and sent me home because they look at that eight days of sobriety before I got to Hazelden. So between that morning where I felt that flush of, of love come over me and the time I got on a plane, there was that eight-day period that I stayed sober. And my insurance company said, well, if you can do it for eight days, then you don't need treatment. And they sent me home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it was terrifying. It was terrifying because I was so ready. I, I wanted to... I wanted to learn how, how do I stay sober? How do I keep doing this? How do I keep this feeling? And so they sent you home. So now you're at home and now what do you, do you have a, a different attitude, so to speak about AA and going in there? Well, here was, here was another kind of a gift. Hazelden has a program called, I think it's called the Lodge. And it's a separate retreat house that's on the campus of their center. And you can go there and you get the same programming. So you get to go to the same speakers, you get counseling, you get all this stuff. I sound like an advertisement for them. I don't mean to be. But um, you pay out of pocket and you just don't get any, you don't get any, um, like a doctor checking in on you at all. So it's basically the exact same thing as an inpatient. You can go for a day or you can go, I don't care, you know, a month, whatever. Um, they couldn't find a spot for me until like two and a half weeks after I had returned back to Dallas. So I was, um, in Dallas, just, you know, going to meetings, trying to be honest and, um, talking to people, kind of just doing it the right way this time. And then two and a half weeks later, got back on a plane, went back went to back up there. Hazelden. And How long did you stay? Um, probably about three weeks. Okay. Yeah. What did you learn during that time? Do you remember it being a positive experience? It was. It, it was. And, you know, it was just so different now because my willingness was there. And so things that they could have been saying to me, six, somebody, person could have been saying the exact same, just the perfect thing six months earlier, and I wouldn't have heard it. But now my ears, my heart were ready. Right. Your spirit had opened up mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And, you know, if somehow we could bottle that up for people and yeah. uh, not sell it, but just give it to people right. to where their spirit could open up and all of a sudden they're able to hear things in a different way and see things in a different way. Oh, this would be a much better world. But sure would. it's individual for each person, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you get back to Dallas then and uh, then you start going to meetings uh um, t- tell me about that. I mean, were you, were you looking at the steps in a different way? Was your relationship with the group a little bit different? Tell me how you were feeling. You know, at some point, I, my current sponsor, I knew that I only wanted her to sponsor me. But she, I had to ask her four or five times um, 
to take me on. And each time she kept saying no, because she had so many other sponsees and she didn't feel like she could really give me what I needed. And so I, I had other women that, that were helping me, but never serious. I never took it seriously enough to really be working the steps. Um, at some point, one of the women that was sponsoring me was also being sponsored. She was being sponsored by Susan Mm -hmm. and she moved away. And I saw that gap right there and I jumped (laughs) on it and I grabbed Susan and I said, please, please, now will you take me? And yeah, so I was really, really lucky with that one. It's like when somebody gets fired at your office and you say, hey, can I have a stapler? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Right. Well, that's, so, yeah. yeah, and then at that point, I I really got into the steps. I got into meetings. I got into anything that Susan was telling me to. And she's she's not just about the big book. She's about, you know, your spiritual development in many, many other um, ways from different teachers. So I just kind of jump on board whatever she whatever she tells me to do. So did you have any sort of spiritual slash religious background before you got to Alcoholics Anonymous? And has your, uh, and if you did, has your uh, viewpoint and how you relate to that particular spiritual practice changed since you got into AA? Yeah, well, I was raised in a very Catholic family. I have a brother that's a priest. Uh So pretty Catholic family, Um, you know, went to Catholic schools all my life. And I love the Catholic faith. You know, I'm glad you're saying that. Uh, you know, uh, we, we you hear a lot of people say about how they're a recovering Catholic and all yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that, that hurts my heart every yeah. single time I say I hear it, because I would never say that ever about any other religion. So it, it hurts my heart when I right. when I hear that. And, and you know, and, and I... I I get it. You know, I do. Uh, I get uh, when I hear some of those things about uh, all uh, all sorts of different religions. But I also know that uh, religion has done a whole lot of good in this world as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's Well, a it was of, pretty instrumental in our big book, too. And, yeah. <laughs> and it says we are quick to see where religious people are right. Right. Uh, and, and I get that. So anyway, so you, you grew up a Catholic. Uh, you love the Catholic Church. Uh, yeah. And tell me about that. Um, I I love the, the Catholic faith, um, and and I received all the sacraments that I'm supposed to, and I go to church on Sunday. We've raised our children Catholic, but I still didn't have that real relationship with God. I was just kind of going through the motions, doing what looked right. And when I came into the program, and and first of all. You know, when I came in, I was not convinced that I was an alcoholic. I still wanted to fight that really hard. And so I was coming up with different terms. Somebody said, oh, well, maybe you're alcoholic light. And I ran with it. Yeah, that's what I am. I must be alcoholic light. <laughs> I don't even qualify. So why am I here? And like a lot of people will say, that's like being a little bit pregnant, right? Yeah. Either you are or you're not. So when I came into the program and I was just fighting it so hard. And I was sure that the big book was probably like anti-religious. It's a cult or I I was just looking for an excuse. And then I saw the St. Francis prayer and I 
love, you know, and the Catholic faith, we sing that song. We sing, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. And um, that and was, just for those who are listening who may not know what Maria is referring to, because we have a lot of people who listen to this who uh, don't know the program very well, uh, but it's, it's from the Step 11 and the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, there's, a, right. there's a prayer in there called the St. Francis Prayer, written by St. Francis uh, many, many moons ago. Right. I, I, don't, right. I don't claim to be a historian on that, but you all used to sing it in church. Right. And, and so when I saw that that was in our big book, 12 and it 12. gave me, I mean, the 12 and 12, it gave me such comfort. And I felt like, okay, this this might be okay. And then I saw all the different prayers in there, and I thought, well, wow, you know, fourth and fifth step, that's kind of like confession. And I believe in confession. I believe in in saying, here, this is where I've been wrong. How can I how can I make this right? That's what I do when I go to confession, you know. And um, the tenth step. Yeah, the Catholics it, invented that fifth step. I think you know, when, <laughs> they they had it down long before it came. Well, down, Father Dowling was involved. You know, oh, yeah, but, that's right. Um, you know, but the tenth step. You know, that to me is is in the Catholic faith we call that the examination of conscience. You know, where what did what did I do during the day? How did it? What did I do? What did I do wrong? But also, what did I do really well today? So I found so much comfort in in knowing that, okay, maybe this isn't a cult anymore. Maybe I can get on board and, gee, maybe I'll even find sobriety. And so when you would go to the services uh, with the homilies, is mm-hmm. that what it's called? When you would listen to the homilies, what, did you hear it in a different way than when you heard it before you got sober, so to speak? You know, I think... Life in general, I look at people differently. You know, those people who might say I'm a recovering Catholic. Well, I'm called to love them too. (laughs) So now I I truly, I look at people and I, I look in their faces and I just think you are a child of God, just like I am. So because you're a child of God, we're related and I'm called to love you. And I, so I see things, I see people differently, not just Catholics, not just, this isn't about being Catholic. This is about being a child of God. That's the bigger picture right there. That's right. We're all God's kids, aren't mm-hmm. we? All of us. And it says in the book, as you know, love and tolerance of is others our code. is our code. And, um, it goes for all. Right. What else? What have we not covered? I, I you know, I, is, is there anything in particular you want to say about sobriety that we haven't covered thus far that you want to kind of get out there? Look at it this way. There are going to be people listening to this. And these are always the people that I'm, I guess, most concerned with because um, I get letters all the time and I get emails and I get uh, uh, Instagram messages saying, um, I- I'm not sober or I'm considering sobriety. Um, I'm thinking about going to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it is for me. Um, you went through that, right? For, right. for a long time. Right. What would you share from your experience uh, that would talk to folks like that out there? Just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. You know, it, 
it, it might, I always am kind of envious of the people that walk in and say, oh, on day one, I fell in love with AA. Well, believe me, that wasn't my case at all. It took me, I really wish I could remember, but I'm going to say a good nine months before I really started to understand it. And, and I say a lot in meetings too, that the big book itself was just like Chinese. I didn't understand what it was saying, even though now I read it and it's so simplistic. It's, it makes so much sense. The, the big book to me is so alive, but not when I first came in and when I was so broken and I was so full of shame and, you know, talking about God and, and my faith as, as faithful as I, as, as I am to the Catholic faith, I still wanted to be invisible to God because I was so sure that I, he was so ashamed of me and I didn't love myself enough. So how could God still love me? That's not even possible. How could God still love me? And I think a lot of people have that exact same sentiment. Right, right. And we come into the program and we don't love ourselves. I, I, I can't imagine how somebody really does. Because when you walk into the doors of AA, that's not your finest moment. That that was It was so, so hard for me to walk in. I was saying the other day, my very first meeting was was right up the road here. And I sat in the back and I basically curled into a ball and just prayed that nobody would like notice that I was even there. And I I just wanted to, to find out what is this? What happens in a meeting? What is, what's going on here? And, and I joked that, you know, the chairperson I thought was the president of the group. And right. how do they know everybody's name? And, <laughs> and, and, and yet, there was joy in the room. There was p- true, pure joy and laughter and honesty. And I hadn't heard honesty in so long because I certainly didn't know how to express it. And when I went into the rooms of AA and I'd hear people say it, they're 30 years sober and, you know, 40 years sober. And I thought, there is how? I didn't know. I didn't even know when I walked into AA that I was supposed to be sober for my lifetime. I just wanted my family off my case. I wanted them to stop telling me I was an alcoholic. Get the heat off. Yeah. Thank God I eventually conceded and said, I'm an alcoholic. By the grace of God, I say that because he's brought me this far because of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's not that my faith alone couldn't have done that, but the combination of my faith and this program brings such peace and serenity to my life. And I have a new, I have tools now. I know how to handle things when they, when, when life spins out of control, it, it's not perfect. And I don't, um, always have an immediate answer, but I know, I, I know how to think things through. I know how to pray deeply for an answer. I know that it's easier for me to give things to God than for me to try to figure them out because I've tried that before and it doesn't work well. When you went into that first meeting and you were kind of curled up in the back of the room, there were curled up, excuse me, in the back of the room. Um, do you remember what your impressions were of the meeting versus what you thought you were going to find when you actually went into the meeting? 
You know, the truth is, I really, truly did not know anything about AA. Uh, Once in a while, I'd hear people crack jokes about, oh, there's a 12-step program, you know, for chocolate or what. But I didn't know what the 12 steps were. What does that mean? I didn't know how many people were going to be in the meeting. I didn't know. I, I just honestly did not know anything about it. And I feel like I should tell you this, though, and it's kind of going in a different direction, but I just thought of it when I was really heavy in my addiction, my dear husband, God bless him, called um, Dallas Intergroup and said, my wife has a drinking problem. What do I do? And they said, well, you go to Al-Anon. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. Right. Listen to me. My wife has a drinking problem. What do I do? And they said, you need to go to Al-Anon. And so he, before I ever stepped foot in the doors of AA... He had already been going to Al-Anon for, I think, like four months. Oh, okay, good. He took him yeah. up on it. A mm-hmm. lot of people don't, you know. Right, right. And so he still goes. He's really? Yep, he's got his men's groups that he goes to. And yeah, it AA is so part of our life. You know, when I first got into the program, I would hide my big book. I would hide like any evidence that I was in the program whatsoever. And now, you know, it, it's an open subject, we we talk about it with our kids who are 18, 19, and 21. So they're at those ages where it, it needs to be discussed. And they just, I my youngest son on a, a daily basis still says, so mom, what are you doing today? Going to a meeting? <laughs> Every single day. So I'm held accountable by, by him too. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. Well, I appreciate it. This has been anything else that you want to share before we uh, close up? Just making sure I'm pointing at our notebook because I want to make sure that we cover. I just want to make sure you get everything out you want to get out. You know, you were asking about like, what would somebody brand new walking in the door need to know? And I always love what I learned about steps one, two, and three. And if you understand nothing else, understand that step one is I can't. Step two is he can, and step three is I think I'll let him. That's what it takes right there. That's it. That's the whole program right there, or at least most of the program, most right? Of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of other steps after That's that, right. but those it will get you a really good start. They will. <laughs> Maria, this has been uh, just a pleasure. I sure do appreciate you taking time out of You're your schedule. You're so welcome. To stop by today, and uh, God bless you. And I guess, hello, Ron. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> I said Sarah, Miss Susan. Yeah. And uh, thank you for letting Maria come over here to be with me today. Uh, Susan, right? I think yes. you asked permission. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. So what'd you think about Miss Maria, that soccer mom? I know we have some other soccer moms out there in this world. I would love to know what you think. Even if you're not a soccer mom, you can still write in and let us know what you're thinking. I'm at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. I will pass on any comments to her um, as I receive them uh, and comments about any of the other speakers who you want to contact me about. So let's get on to a little 
Listener feedback. Ben, my main man, Ben, writes in from down under. He says, hi, John. Due to my work, I travel between Australia and New Zealand constantly. I'm on my second year of sobriety and doors have closed and others have opened. Thank you for keeping my head sane. I love your podcast and I listen to them all over the land of OZ and NZ. Took me a while. I had to figure out. I actually had to look that up. Apparently, uh, Australia is is referred to as the land of OZ, the land of Oz. And NZ is obviously New Zealand. But anyway, I can't explain what or how it works but it does. I would appreciate being added to the secret Facebook page. I live on the sunshine coast of Australia, and my home group is the, hope I get this right, Maruchidor Monday Night Meeting. Uh, Let me know if you ever make it to Australia. I'd love to meet you and show you around. P.S. Your laugh is great. Keep laughing, mate. Everyone has an opinion. That's what makes us different. Ben from OZ. Well, Ben from Down Under, number one, I'm so glad to see that you are in that Facebook group. And uh, if I ever make it down to the sunshine coast of Australia, I will definitely look you up and we'll go to the Maruchidor Monday night meeting. All right. Thanks for writing in, Ben. All right. Tammy writes in and Tammy is an Al-Anon and Tammy says, hi, John. I live in Southern California. I heard Sober Speak listening to Spencer on the recovery show. I want to just pause here for a second and say this, what she's talking about there is the recovery show, which is another show that Spencer, my friend Spencer T host, and we are going to be getting together with Spencer to go through some of the steps of Al-Anon here on an upcoming uh, uh, episode. But if you're in Al-Anon and you haven't found that podcast yet, I would highly recommend it. Once again, it's called The Recovery Show. All right, back to the letter. I am trying to glean knowledge and insight as my 23-year-old daughter is struggling with alcohol. I am attending Al-Anon and just got a sponsor to start working the steps. Well, good for you, Tammy. Thank you for all you do on Sober Speak. These podcasts give me hope and continue to encourage me to stay inside my own hula hoop. And Tammy, it's a very popular phrase within Al-Anon, just in case you're not aware of that. Stay within your own hula hoop. I get it, Tammy. Ella writes in, on Instagram, she says, love the podcast. I found Sober Speak by searching for recovery podcast on CastBox. It is a um, podcast player. I love the format and I find the stories so relatable. I live in Houston, Texas, and my sobriety date is 4-27-2015. Well, Ella, thank you for writing in on Instagram. We sure do appreciate it. And congratulations on your... Three years. You must have just passed. Well, no, no. You haven't quite passed three years of sobriety yet by the time this comes out, uh, but you're coming up on it. 
Okay, so let me hop in here real quick with a little comment before we continue on, and that is I realized after I had made this recording that I was thinking the entire time that this was 2018 as opposed to 2019. Therefore, some of my calculations were off. So to you, the Sober Speak audience, I make an amends. Um, I was wrong, and with God's help, I'll try not to do that again. (laughs) Now back to the recording. Lauren writes in on Instagram and he says, Hi, John. I just discovered your podcast this morning. I am four months sober and was looking for a meeting between my meetings. You made my day with your podcast. Thank you. Well, Lauren, you made your day by writing in and contacting me and giving me that message. I sure do appreciate it. Morgan T writes in and she says, Hi, John. Thank you. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic named Morgan who lives in Austin, Texas. I am originally from Gunnison, Colorado. I was introduced to AA six years ago, but wasn't done drinking at the time. Now I have just over two months sobriety and I'm feeling near ready to find a sponsor and to begin to work the steps, which is so desperately needed. I go to meetings almost every day. I consider Western Trails here in Austin my home group. Well, if anybody is listening from excuse me, Western, Western trails. Uh, tell Morgan, I said, hello. I found your podcast by searching AA. It's the first one that came up. The first one I listened to was step four with David G. I intend to listen to them all. Your podcast is now my go-to when I am at the gym. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. Sincerely, Morgan T. Well, if you're listening to this while you're at the gym, Ms. Morgan, keep on working out. And I'm so glad you wrote in. And by the way, Gunnison, Colorado is very near Crested Butte, Colorado, which is where I will be going this summer again for uh, the Crested Butte Mountain Conference. Uh, It's an AA conference. Okay, Frank writes in and he says, my name is Frank. I am an alcoholic. I live in Roanoke, Virginia. Sobriety date is July 6th of 2015. I just celebrated my 80th birthday. If I had not joined the fellowship, I probably would have died years ago. My home group is the primary purpose group. Well, look at you, Frank. I love it. Uh, It looks like you started um, uh, in sobriety when you were, what, 77, if I have that right? Uh, that is fantastic. And you're listening to podcasts. I absolutely love it. Thanks for writing in, Frank. Uh, Margaret writes in and Margaret says, John, I just wanted to circle back around with you and let you know how your podcasts have had a positive effect on my life. As I mentioned, I'm a member of Al-Anon and have been looking for and praying to find a meeting and a sponsor. Well, after talking to a co-worker about life, she asked me if I had ever heard of Al-Anon. Funny indeed. Anyway, I have been attending a large, great all-women's group in San Francisco the last two weeks with her and plan to go again tonight. The next step is finding a, a sponsor, and I trust it will happen. 
Thanks for making a difference, Margaret M. Well, Margaret, by the time I hear from you again, I hope you found a, a good sponsor and you're able to get started on those steps. You know, I hear people all the time, we ought to do a program on this. Uh, this is just kind of a little side note. I'm talking to myself here out loud now. Um, I hear a lot of people asking me about how to find a sponsor, what's a good sponsor, how do you get hooked up with a sponsor? You know, I, I was just real fortunate. I fell into the hands of a great sponsor and he's still my sponsor today but I know that is not everybody's experience and uh, uh, finding one can be a challenge and it's very scary but you know just remember this it doesn't have to be perfect it can be temporary just get started if it doesn't work maybe you can move on to somebody else later anyway the last one here Joe writes in on Twitter this is one of our first responses we've actually had on Twitter. Usually it's Instagram and all sorts of other things. But anyway, afternoon, John. I am extremely excited to have run across your podcast through iHeartRadio. I am 46 and I attended AA close to two years ago. But since I was not a very religious person at the time, I was put off by that aspect. My wife is a Jehovah's Witness and for the past year, I've been studying with an elder from her congregation. I've learned so much, and I'm learning more consistently, which has strengthened my faith in God. I just attended my second AA meeting last night, and I finally got some health insurance, and I'm seeking an amazing doctor to discuss my—and I'm seeing an amazing doctor to discuss my situation— I have started taking Anabuse daily along with a couple of nutritional supplements he's recommended so far, and next Monday will be three weeks sober. I truly enjoy listening to your podcast during my one and a half hour commute to work and back, so you have me for three hours a day. I look forward to hearing more stories and hearing sober speak my, quote, meeting between meetings, unquote. I hope you have a pleasant rest of your week. By the way, I live in Loganville, Georgia, just a little west of Atlanta. Thank you again, Joe. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Oh, one thing I did forget here. I want to close it out with page 164 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, until next week, folks, have a good one. God bless.